Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What makes for a great vacation? Depends on who you ask. Are you looking to get away or bring everyone together? Do you want to get outside and play or see a play at the plate? Fortunately, however you operate, I'm the destination you've been looking for. The name's Missouri, but you can call me Mo. And I have just one question. What's your MO? To find your MO, tap now. Or for information on safe travel, come see me at visitmo.com. It's the bluest room in town. Yeah, they're actually funny and the guests to sound through the ups and the downs. Yeah, they'll be there waiting for the next time round. Find out what it means. Everton will break your heart, but they're still your team. It's far from doom and gloom. So tune in now and get involved with the blues. Show here on the Blue Room. Mike's immediately got a weird face on. What's up? No, I just got a big notification that told me this meeting is being recorded. Well, yeah, that happens now on the Zoom update. So I don't know if people, everybody else could hear that or not. I I don't know if it like starts recording after that message. Jesus, I just cacked myself. (laughs) <laughs> great. Never heard that before. Great way to start the show, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but Mike, Mike the Asher is here. Mike, how are you, aside from being scared by Zoom women? Great, great. Yeah, I couldn't be better. Everton are being really good at football and everything's fine. <laughs> Adam Jones from the Liverpool Echo also joins us. How are you, mate? Yeah, yeah, you know, apart from having to be in work, covering Everton being shite. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, um, horrible when you finish a season like that, isn't it? You just, it just leaves a terrible, terrible feeling for the rest of the summer. But we'll get on to that shortly. Uh, we'll speak about that game a little bit at the Etihad Stadium, which Adam was at. Um, Sergio Aguero's testimonial, effectively, where Everton were very accommodating visitors on the day. Um, we'll also have a chance about James Rodriguez, who has pissed people off by taking photos on a plane. Um, and we'll have a chat 
about Ben Godfrey to start off with, actually. Um, and in a, in a week, Mike, where everyone's been fuming at the players, the manager, the director of football, the chairman, the majority shareholder, everybody at the football club, um, Ben Godfrey's the only one everyone's sort of feeling good for because he was called up to the preliminary England squad, 33 names, going to get chopped down to 26 on the 1st of June. But um, a nice little cap on the end of the season where he's been pretty much excellent for all. Yeah, he's probably earned it, you'd say. If you look at the defenders who are in there and the ones who will probably miss out, he's probably got a good shot at making the final squad, to be honest with you. I'd be a bit disappointed if he didn't. Um, it's great news for him personally. It's good news for Everton because it actually gives them something to use this summer, which is excellent because you turn around to prospective young players who come up from the Championship or other leagues around the world and you say, there you go, that's what we can do to your career in a year. If you come here and you try your best, then you'll probably get into the international squad, enhance your profile, yada, 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 do all that sort of stuff. So, you got to put a positive spin on it somehow, haven't you, I guess? But yeah, it's good news. Uh, how do you feel about it? I, don't think I, I, I know Mike's saying there he's probably going to... He thinks he could make the, the 26. I sort of feel like he'll, he'll probably miss out. But um, I suppose from an England perspective, he's, he's on the radar now. And it's it's hard to see him dropping off that radar, isn't it, with the way he's going? I think personally, he makes sense for a tournament perspective, though, doesn't he? Because in, in a tournament, especially if you're going to get injuries throughout the stage the stages of the tournament, you know, obviously England are going to want to make it to... You know the quarters or the semi-finals, at least of this tournament, you're going to need a deep pool of players who can usually be quite versatile. And you know, if there's any, and Ben Godfrey is, it's absolutely versatile. If Gareth Southgate's probably going to be playing a back five, well, Godfrey could fit into a back four if he wanted. But if he's going to play a back five, I'd say that Godfrey can fit in to any of the centre back roles. He could probably play right wing back. He probably play left wing back in a in a really ridiculous scenario where <laughs> all of England's left backs get injured. Although I can't really can't really see that happening. But I just think it was interesting to see Godfrey, you know, talking to Everton's official site today. He gave quotes saying, you know, Gareth Southgate was instantly talking to me about my versatility. So, you know, that just kind of sparked something in my head that I think he might he might just about sneak into there because, you know, it's probably the reason why I know he's not well, I don't think he's in this this squad, but it's some it's a reason why someone like Eric Dyer has been in and around the England squad for ages, isn't it? You know, just the fact that he is versatile enough to play centre back, you know, defensive midfield if he needs to. Well, Godfrey could play there as well if he needs to as well. So it's just yeah, I, I think he's got a lot of strings to his bow, and as you say, he, he is on England's radar now. He's not going to be dropping off there anytime soon, especially if his Everton performances are going to continue on this kind of upward trend that we've seen throughout this season. You know, I think he's. He springs out to me as future captain material, to be honest, at Everton, the way we've seen him progress so far this season. So, you know, fingers crossed we can uh, we can keep giving him the, those opportunities next season, you know, regardless of whether he goes to the autos or not. Yeah, I think for me, Mike, as well, and sort of sort of throwing his ahead to June the 1st and whether he gets in or not, he sort of feels like the type of lad that would happily go into that England setup and just put his personality across straight away. And not in, a, not in like a sort of way where it's like, you know, I, I deserve to be with all you lads. I'm as good as all you lads. You know, I should have been in here for, for a long time. But probably in a similar way to where he's been at Everton, where he's made the step up in terms of stature from Norwich to, to us. Um, for a lot of players, that probably is quite daunting. I think we've seen a lot of players sort of struggle with that. Um, not just at Everton, but with, with other teams as well. It can be quite... Difficult when you're a young player, especially. But I just sort of feel like by going into that setup and being himself, he'll impress a lot of people with the way he is. Yeah, I think as you say, young players especially can really struggle in those circumstances. But 
you just have to look at his first few months at Everton. He's come straight in, fit seamlessly. First game was what, Merseyside Derby, wasn't it? It was mm-hmm. just fit in seamlessly, came in, and automatically just gives off the aura of a team player who's quite easy to get on with and just does what he's told on a football pitch. Players that follow instructions are absolute gold dust. And you see that with so many that those sort of versatile defenders who can play all around the park and will do what they're told, they usually fit into this mould of being really good, solid team players who have captain material in there. I'm loath to say those sorts of things because, you know, we have seen at Mason Holgate, you can see how much can change within a year, but those sorts of defenders do have those qualities and it does make it much easier for them. So you do get the feeling that if he does go, which... As Adam said, because of his versatility, I think he should. Uh, if he does go, then you think it would just it would do him the world of good, and he just fit in seamlessly. Mm. And I suppose on the flip side, that you know, Mike mentioned one of our defenders there has had a rough season in Mason Holgate. You know, probably he was going back to this time last year. He probably would have been in a similar sort of position to Godfrey in the pecking order at the moment. Um, but Michael Keane, haven't been really part of this for a while, and part of this England setup for a while. You know played some big matches, scored the odd goal here and there for them as well. It's not even getting the 33. That's, um, it's quite dominant, quite brutal from Southgate, isn't it? But I mean, the, the interesting thing was that when I was sort of perusing social media yesterday after that announcement, there was not really many Evertonians kicking off and fighting Michael Keane's corner, were there either? I think if he didn't have such, you know, a bit of a dodgy game against Man City, I think there probably would have been a few more questions uh, laid towards Southgate because... You know, when he first got dropped, was it back in March? I think, you know, he's had, you know, maybe one dodgy performance at that point, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't have said he was, he deserved to be dropped from the England squad. And, you know, maybe it was just a case of Gareth Southgate, you know, trying to have a look at different options at centre back, you know, for his, for his last squad before the tournament or something like that. You know, maybe, maybe that was his thinking behind it. But I think it was quite harsh at the time that he got dropped from the squad. It quite clearly affected his form for three or four games at least, didn't it? You know, he, dropped out of the side through injury. But when he came back into the side, I thought he, he's been playing quite well. I thought he had a really good game against West Ham. Yeah. I thought he played really well against Wolves at home as well quite recently. So I was thinking to myself, you know, if you can just put it in, you know, some sort of semi-decent performance against Man City, then, you know, he, he, might, have had, he might have had a chance. I think, you know, quite clearly that's been proven wrong. I don't think, don't think he, it's the Man City game at all that's, that's uh, affected Gareth Southgate's thinking here. But I think, I personally think it's a bit harsh. I think over the course of the last two seasons, Michael Keane's been a fantastic defender for Everton. And, you know, everybody's had bad performances here and there. Everybody in that England squad's had bad performances here and there, regardless of which team they're playing for. So I, I, I still probably would have taken Michael Keane if, if, I was, if I was the England manager. But, you know, England do have a wealth of options in, in that area of the pitch, you know. So somebody like Conor Cody getting, getting called up, I think it, I think it's down to a matter of preference, isn't it? I, mm. I'd prefer Keane over Connor Cody personally, but you know it's, it's probably the way way Gareth Southgate's thinking that he's he's just preferring Connor Cody at the minute. So you know, hopefully Michael Keane doesn't take this too too hard. You know, hopefully he can just try and get this out of his mind over the course of the summer. Obviously, it's going to be hard for him to watch the tournaments, you know, from from home rather than being there. But fingers crossed, he, he it just doesn't affect his Everton performances all that much because I do think. You know, especially since the we first returned from lockdown, I think Michael Keane's still been up there as one of Everton's best players. So, you know, hopefully it doesn't affect him too badly. I think sure you've you got to remember that... Sorry, like, mate, right, so you've got to remember that when it comes down to it, over the past two years, Michael Keane's been consistently part of a team that when it comes to the crunch of wilted in big pressure moments, 
he's wilted and he hasn't really shown that much in terms of leadership, hasn't really shown that much in terms of taking on responsibility, taking the initiative. Whereas John, I don't think Conor Cody's a very good defender, but he's shown much more leadership than Michael Keane has. He, he's fronted up a bit more. You look at Wolves' um, Europa League campaign and actually the fight to get to that. It's more success than Michael Keane's had in the past year. Granted, I think Keane's a better defender, but I can understand the preference. So for me, I don't think it's that harsh. I don't, I don't see that in terms of what is there and what's on the table, you've got young players like Ben White and Ben Godfrey, who you would take. Is Ben White in it? I've not just made up his name. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Just, just felt weird that Johnny say two bends in such quick succession. Like, I must have got one wrong there. Um, Do you think that's what Southgate's done? He's just accidentally yeah. put Ben down twice on the list. Yeah, like, yeah. We need to call up another Ben here at some point. Who's, then, who's at available? Very, oh, ben White. At the very bottom of the list, it says Benson and Hedges as well. <laughs> um, yeah, but for, for me, when you look at the young players like that, I think that giving them the the opportunity to come in and actually be a part of those sorts of instances, even if they don't make the final squad, I think it's better than, say, calling up Michael Keane into your 33-man squad and then going, listen, you're not coming. Whereas if that's Ben Godfrey or Ben White, you'd probably go, this is the first stage for you. And do you know what? If a couple of players weren't fit or can't make this, you would be in this. You're on the right track. Whereas I think it's probably a bit more common courtesy to Michael Keane to say, no, I'm not going to put you in this because it'll probably be a little bit insulting to then drop you out. I I can see that side of it as well. So for me, he doesn't get near those Stones, Maguire, um, Tarkovsky players. like He doesn't get near those sorts of defenders for me at the moment. But is it really worth putting him in that next layer that might maybe make it by his skin of the teeth or the ones that definitely aren't going to make it? So I don't think he's been that hard done to. It must must be quite awkward as well, just sort of like from a teammate's point of view. The, there's a lad there in the squad who's come in and has sort of whizzed past him in the pecking order for Everton and whizzed past him in the pecking order for England as well. Well, that's how he deals with it. Because like, there you go, that's that that's the proof of being the pudding for that one, won't it, really? Because if he just sits back and goes, yeah, okay, well, you know, that's it. Now that's the way it's going to be. And he just sort of wilts, then fair play. They've been proven right. But if he can go, go ahead and literally prove the Everton manager wrong, the England manager wrong, then fair do to him. I hope he does that, but I don't know if he's got that in him. It's the kind of situation that we want to be getting to all over the pitch, don't we? You know, yeah. if, if, yeah. if we, we don't get to that situation all over the pitch, then we are just going to stagnate in the position that we are. You know, we're going to bring in these new players who are just going to be the exact same level as the ones that we've already got and we're not going to get anywhere. Yeah. But as you know, we want these players, you know, these signings like Ben Godfrey, who maybe take us by surprise a little bit with, you know, a young player coming in and we're thinking to ourselves, well, he's got a bit of quality about him, but let, let's see, let's see what he can really do. And, you know, that's, you know, I'd love to be able to have a striker like that or, you know, a right, right midfielder or a right back like that, for example. And, you know, you, yeah, we haven't got a right midfielder for someone to come in and overtake. So well, that's, yeah, that's the it. challenge. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you, you just got to hope that that's, that's going to be the, the uh, situation all over the pitch, you know, if not next season, then maybe, you know, season after. Well, that's yeah. it, isn't it? It should be. It should be embarrassing. That, that should be an embarrassing situation for him because Everton have bought someone for relatively low money in what is the market at the moment from a lower league who has much less experience in this league, and he's come in and just through sheer effort and drive and a bit of ability, he's surpassed him. As as Adam says, there, that's what you want to see everywhere. And you talk about Everton's transfer strategy. We've all sat here for years at this point talking about players like James Madison etc etc saying why are we not picking up Jared Bowen why are we not picking up these sorts of players who are going to come in 
give it their all and really want to do their best to go to the next level. Instead, you end up with Alex Iwobi on his way down. It's just we, we've we've done this for a few years now, and hopefully, you can actually see the, the proofs in the pudding now. They've actually done one of them, and hang on, this is the way it's supposed to be. This is the way it was when Everton were actually performing well. Go pick up young, cheap players, and just let them try their best. Because I'm sorry, yeah. the best isn't good enough for people who can't really be bothered very much. The ones who were on the way down or already on mega wages. What have they got to prove? They played at the highest level already. You know, they're never, never going to get back there. Whereas, yeah, as Adam says, that's the way it's got to be all over the pitch. Now, Ben Godfrey's just, he's got to be the shining example of it. Yeah, uh, two other names in the squad as well. Who fits into that bracket you spoke about, Mike, Dominic Carver-Lewin, obviously, and Jordan Pickford, obviously. Adam, I'll just throw to you quickly to have a chat about Jordan Pickford because Mike's on a Pickford embargo at the moment. You just want to jinx him um, oh, okay. by, t- by talking about him. So <laughs> he's um, he's sort of relieved from talking about Jordan Pickford. But, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, but what, you just you broke it. You broke it just there. No, I, um, I just said I'm not going to talk about him for the next year. He discussed the embargo itself. It's fine. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Uh, but you you were obviously there on Sunday, amazing. Obviously, seeing you on Twitter, you're very glowing in, in Pickford's performances. And I think we, we all know that he's improved a lot in the last few weeks. Um, well, probably last few months, actually, since that Merseyside derby. But just, just someone I wanted to, to ask you, actually, because you've, you've been in the ground for a, a lot of these games. And I think, obviously when it comes to goalkeepers, you see them less on the telly than any other player. I mean, have you noticed anything different in his demeanour, in the way he goes about things on the pitch, is how, how vocal he is? Has anything changed for you that you've sort of seen from him on a match day that maybe people who were watching it on television haven't seen in the last three months? Um, not not majorly noticeable, I wouldn't say. And I think that's, that's the strangest thing for me. I think maybe he's become... A little bit more, more vocal, but you know he's a, he's a very vocal goalkeeper anyway, and you know goalkeepers are, tend to be the most vocal players on the pitch, regardless. So I think it maybe just comes with you know the confidence that he's that he's had in his performance recently, that he's just being that little bit more vocal. And I think the interesting thing about Pickford is that he he's, he doesn't just like shout to his defenders or like organise his defenders. He's constantly shouting to the likes of Calvert Lewin and Richarlison as well. You know, shouting encouragement to them or you know urging them on to close people down, etc. You know, he, he, he does, does tend to tell Richarlison in particular to run quite a bit, which, which is quite funny. Like, right, <laughs> right at the start of the game, you can usually hear him go, Richie, run, which is, which is quite funny. But uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think I'd noticed anything in particular different about his demeanour or anything like that, because I think even in the times that he was having bad form, I think he always carried himself as a, a pretty pretty confident individual didn't he and I think you know that, that was probably what was frustrating people a lot of the time that you know he was making those mistakes but he was still carrying himself in that very sort of confident air and you know it, it's it's just really interesting to see you know I think Carlo Ancelotti took him out of the firing line at the right time you know maybe he picked up that injury at the right time as well because he's he's just come roaring back from that injury and I think since that point since that point on really he's just been Absolutely fantastic, and I was I was so glowing about him on Sunday because I had to be glowing about something. <laughs> Everybody else on the pitch. I mean, he was brilliant. To be fair, you know, uh, he made some amazing saves. It could have been double figures without him. Genuinely, it could have been double figures without him. And it wasn't even just like the saves he was making, but you know, is the way he was commanding his area as well, coming for crosses and stuff like that. You know, that's something you know that has been. Uh, aimed at him, I think, over the last couple of seasons that he doesn't command his area well enough, etc. But I think over the last couple of months, he's certainly shown that he can that he can certainly do that. And on a personal level, obviously, this has come at the fans at a fantastic time for him, hasn't it? You know, going back to 
this England squad announcements. You know, a couple of months ago, there were probably questions over whether Jordan Pickford would be England's number one or not. I don't really think there should be any question about that anymore. I think Jordan Pickford is absolutely England's best goalkeeper. You know, he's never really made mistakes for England either. So I think in Gareth Southgate's eyes, he probably could have still been England's number one, regardless of regardless of this run of form that he's been on. But yeah, I think it's absolutely great for him. And I think, you know, the, this is probably the, the best run of form that we've seen him in uh, since his first season at Goodison now. So you've just got to, you know, I do feel like it's a bit Groundhog Day with Pickford at this point, isn't it? But, you know, you do just have to hope that he can continue this run of form now. Hopefully we can be be able to build a strong defensive system in front of him because, you know, we don't want to just keep relying on him to make, you know, a fantastic save game after game to to make sure that we get all three points. Hopefully he can be helped by the defence a little bit more in front of him uh, over the over the course of the next season. Uh, so we won't be, won't be, have all of our eyes scrutinising him all too much because I think that's that's the way it works best, isn't it? You know, when he's just allowed yeah. to just go about go about his game at his own pace. So fingers crossed we can uh, we can provide the platform for him to do that. Yeah, I'm I'm hopeful that this is it for him. And I'm, I'm, it because it Mike's given me a, a look there already. But it, it's not I, I think you're probably right in regards to this is the best run he's had since his first season. I don't think that there's any doubt about that. But it's not He's not playing in the same way as he was in that first season, mm. where everything was a bit mad and a bit frantic, and we properly loved that because he was new, and you know we'd found he spends a lot of money on on a goalkeeper. Now it feels like everything's just a lot more measured and, and under yeah. under control, and he's still making really good saves, which you go wow, don't get me wrong, but the other stuff is just a lot calmer and a, and a lot more refined, and, and I don't think he's really ever had that in his Everton career up until this point, but. Obviously, we'll have to wait until next season. Mike, do you want to break the embargo or not? No. No? Okay. Uh, <laughs> we'll move on. We'll move on to something completely different. Uh, so, Mike, on a scale of one, he's sound. He can do whatever he wants to 10. Get him out the club. He's a disgrace. How, how annoyed w- were you with James Rodriguez posting that picture on Saturday night? Easily a zero. <laughs> so, he can do exactly whatever he wants. He can do yeah. even less than that. Well, he's a fella, isn't he? What, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to tell him what time he can have his tea, what he's going to have? For, like, it's just... I, I I, have a rule with this sort of thing, and we've had it before with Alex Awobi and those sorts of bits that we had earlier on in the season. I have a rule with them where I don't pass comment on it until there's some context. Because without context, we're all just screaming into the void. Granted, we're doing that anyway. That's life. But it would be nice to actually know kind of what's going on. And what was it, like, seven, ten hours later, he's back in Colombia seeing his daughter, who he hasn't seen for a year. Sorry, but at the end of the day, that takes precedence over a football club that you probably never knew existed two or three years ago. It's just... I just... I can't... I can't, in, in my mind, ever be that annoyed about something like this. Oh, you should stay, support the team. You should... Sorry, we've all had those situations. It doesn't matter if you're a Premier League footballer getting paid X amount a week or you work in whatever job that the rest of us normal people do. You've all had concessions from your boss when you've had crap things going on in your life or just situations have fallen in a way that they could do you a bit of a favour here and make life a bit nice for you. Maybe anger wasn't the the, angry is not the the right... the, the, the PR of it, can you understand why people were frustrated with sort of the, the optics of it and the way it sort of all all happened with the fatigued comments on, on Wednesday? 
him not being there on Wednesday and then us having a game on Sunday and just the, the optics of him being on a plane, getting out of the country the day before the lads are playing in a, a game that, you know, mattered to some degree at that point. To an extent, I, I can, but for me with these sorts of, of issues, it, I, I, for me, I wouldn't call it an issue. It's just, I can't sit here and in my right mind say, I expect him to absolutely bleed Everton. Because guess what? He doesn't. It's not how football works anymore. It just isn't. The Copper America, to him, is a million times more important. Let's face facts. That's what he's been winding down for the best part of a month. That's the thing I'd be a bit frustrated about. Not going home before Man City. It's more the lack of probably drive over the last month to really probably give it 200% or whatever. And it, that makes me sound like a little bit of your dad and still it's the case. <laughs> but that's probably annoyed me a bit more. So you look at the games that Everton really should have picked up points on earlier on in the season. There were bits and bobs here and there over the past month or so. Then they're the games I'm really sat here going, yeah, that's 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 where the the lack of commitments can be a bit of an issue. But going home before a game that you're not going to play and in a stadium that you're not allowed to go into because of COVID protocols, like, what, what, what am, am I meant to be cross, be, be angry about it? No, just... Go home, rest up, go and see your daughter, go and play in the Copper America and come back and play in front of fans and hopefully you can actually play a few more games with a few more supporting characters around them next time rather than just being the only creative outlet. Because let's be honest, if Everton had another creative player in the in the vein, even just in a similar mould as him, it wouldn't have been anywhere near as much as an issue. It's such a glaring issue because there is nobody to replace him like, there is absolutely nobody. And granted, Everton aren't going to go out and get another world-class talent, but there is no one to even act as his understudy. It, just, it doesn't exist at Everton at the moment. So when he's not there, then it makes such a massive, gigantic difference. There's just such a hole in the middle of the pitch and it's just a lack of creativity. It's just such a big problem that I think that, that is the real frustration more than him getting on a plane and tweeting a picture of it because that's what footballers do. Like, if there's one thing that we know footballers do, it's they are absolutely game for tweeting pictures of themselves on planes. <laughs> Get used to it. We just, like, we all literally sat here years and years ago when Rom took his picture on his plane, absolutely losing <laughs> our minds. Can't have it both ways, folks. Some of them are going to make you pissed off. Some of them are going to make you dead happy. But footballers love uh, their plane photographs. So what a, what a day that was. People trying to analyse the reflection in the window to see what country and airport he was in. Good God. Oh, dear me. What, what about you, Adam? Are you a north on that scale as well or no? Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I'm, going yeah. to put the, I'm not going to bring that scale out again for anything, I don't think. But... <laughs> I think it just struck me as a communication issue rather than anything else. You know, if Everton had have communicated his injury properly and you know why he was out of the side properly and communicated the fact that he might well travel travel back uh, beforehand and why he was going to be traveling back and I don't think anybody would have been completely bothered at all I think Mike's absolutely right it's all, it's all about the context isn't it I think if Everton fans knew the context before he put that picture out then there wouldn't be there wouldn't have been that that amount of furore about the situation whatsoever and you know in terms of the situation itself I mean you know, he, he couldn't have played the game anyway. Like it, it'd be like if if in work you were asked to make a presentation, you said, "Oh, I can't. I'm sick." But your boss still told you to come in and like sit at the back of the boardroom and still watch <laughs> the presentation. Just like you go, "Well, no, I'm absolutely not going to do that." So even then, 
but even then you're not allowed to go into the actual boardroom to do it you'd have to watch it <laughs> via zoom link like yeah. from 20 miles away yeah that's exactly. what they should have done on wednesday do you know like they've had these virtual mascots all season <laughs> They should have got Hammers on an iPad and showed him off to the fans in there. Going, look, he's here. He's, he's, here. Watch, he's on his couch in form, be watching it. But he is, he is here. Look, he's part of all this. Yeah. So it, it, it is just ridiculous, isn't it? You know, he co- he couldn't have played the game anyway. So from the point on that he couldn't have played the game, uh, I think it, it's it's very much whatever he wants to do. He can he can just go and do, can't he? Because you know he's a He's a grown adult. He doesn't have to go and tell Everton that he wants to go and see his kid. Essentially, like if, if that's the way it's happened, that's the way it's happened. Like you can, you can absolutely do that. And I, I do think if 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 everybody knew the context of it beforehand, then it certainly wouldn't have been this this much of a huge issue, especially on the on the day before the game. I think it was just interesting that he tried to he tried to hide putting this picture out during the uh, Eurovision results, didn't he? <laughs> He did it at the wrong time. Everybody was on Twitter already, just watching Eurovision. So that was, that was the issue that he had. Oh, dude. I had Eurovision this year. Didn't like I didn't, it. I never, oh, ever, never watched I it. it. So. I thought this was a great Eurovision. Nah, I think when you look at the, 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 the songs that we missed out from last year, it was always going to be a massive come down. Yeah, Iceland's song from last year was the big, the big, the big winner. I, I felt sorry for them this year that they, their song just couldn't have... Couldn't Honestly, have... well, and they couldn't catch a break because you had one of them getting cold, uh, yeah, so they couldn't yeah. even perform it. Just ridiculous. <laughs> they were in their hotel. They had they had somebody on an iPad in their hotel. They did. <laughs> that was if they had, they had Camus Rodriguez just that's, sat on an iPad that, in the background. That's the way forward for all this. <laughs> but can I, I, I will say one thing on it. I'm a bit older than you two, so maybe I'm a bit more likely to go dar Everton dar. Just, just why wasn't he just there on Wednesday to wave at some people at the end? Was he not there? No. No. Ah. no, I mean, if, if if that happens, none of this chat happens because there's the, it's the the sensation of him being part of the group and interacting with fans and people would just be happy to see him like he's some sort of special guest. And I think if you if you if you wheel him out for two minutes at the end of the game to just go and wave at some people, everyone's very happy. And then no one's asked why I'm going back to Colombia because he's shown that he's part of this squad. It might not be, but the optics of it are that he's part of the squad. And I think maybe they just should have done that. Just just get him to Goodison on Wednesday and get him to some wave, wave at some people. I didn't know he wasn't there. But yeah, that seems like that, that seems like a really obvious win that they've just missed out on completely. Just, mm-hmm. it's, it's obvious, isn't it? Like, yeah, I can understand that one a lot more, especially yeah. for the fact that we had actual fans in the stadium who you know have been very vocal over the past couple of months that they've never seen James Rodriguez play in the flesh you know they were all going to the stadium expecting to see him in the flesh weren't they and then you know very quickly transpired that he wasn't he wasn't going to be fit for the game so yeah we, I, I just, it's, as Mike says it's an easy just PR win isn't it to just you know, have him join the laugh of appreciation at the end but yeah that's, we got to see Ben Godfrey anyway uh, <laughs> it's just as exciting. Now, uh, let, let's just have a, obviously, we're going to be doing loads of uh, review stuff throughout the summer in regards to the season. But uh, last few minutes or so, lads, let's have a chat about the season. Not not so much Sunday because it was just all terrible, wasn't it? Um, I'm sure Adam doesn't want to relive any of that. But I was um, sat there laughing for most of it, to be honest. Yeah, well, what a free gig out of it. The best thing about it was the yeah. uh, pre- press food, press food returned for Man City. <gasps> we well, got a free gig, and I got a, I got to see Blossoms live mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, so 
it was a win-win, really. Footy was secondary. <laughs> Footy was third. Yeah. Adam on Twitter, look out for my review of Blossom's gig at the Etihad Stadium in the Echo. Uh, never mind, never mind the, the player ratings or anything like that. But uh, sort of the thing I wanted to ask you both, obviously, is Everton were the second on Boxing Day. Uh, it's been well documented now. End of the season in 10th. Um, we've sort of spoken a, a fair bit, Mike, about you know the games that have happened and you know, individual matches where we've not quite come up and done enough in them. But what do you think like, the, the overriding reasons are for Everton slumping from second to 10th over the course of, of five months? I don't think injuries helped at all, but you can't use that as an excuse. You just can't. You look at Leicester, the shining example of a team that dealt with injuries, important injuries, just as haven't had in midfield and at fullback and in other places, and have won an FA Cup and went down to the wire and just missed out on qualifying for the Champions League. Um, for me, it's still it's about the group of players. It, there's so many in this squad who are still there, who have down tools on manager after manager after manager. And I granted, yeah, they're getting fewer and fewer, but you've got to replace them with the right characters. If you're replacing them with pretty similar characters, then you're not going to get any change in results. So we can all sit here and be like, great, okay, so Besic, Balassi, whoever else, off the wage bill this summer, if you replace them with more Alex well, you're not going to change very much. It's... It goes back years and years. And granted, last summer's recruitment, I thought it was pretty pretty spot on. You look at Adelaide Corre, um, excellent sign. Ben Godfrey, excellent sign. Alan, still jury's out for me. I'm still not actually being played in his proper position. When he is, he looks half decent. And obviously, pre-injury looked like a different player. Hopefully, he comes back, that same player, um, after the summer. But there's a myriad of factors. But the biggest one for me is the commitment to the players. We've seen the difference that no fans has made in Goodison Park and it shouldn't have that much an impact because I'm not being funny. We are not that important. (laughs) I know, I know we want to, we, you get it a lot with specific fan bases. Obviously there's one very close to home in particular who take their fanaticism of how important their fandom is to the players to a new level and at times, yeah, we want to believe we are that important, but we aren't. Sorry, you're 11 people on a pitch. If you're in an empty football stadium, just try your best. It's well, you've said it, Mike, on a, on a few of our post-match, that it's just one of the factors is just not having anyone there to hold them to account and yeah. shout at them effectively. Yeah. And that's, that's it does sort it's of insane. feel like, like in the last few weeks in particular, you know, that Sheffield United game is the standout one. of Just by not having anyone to shout at them and say, this is really shit, lads. They've just sort of been in that groove throughout well, the game. I'm sure, I'm sure that Adam will tell you what Wolves was like. I'm sure there was a noticeable uptick in all the players' actual effort. I know that's that's a bit of an eye test thing, but you could see it. I like, think Matt Cheating put, sorry to interrupt you again, Matt Cheating put stats up about this in regards to sprints and stuff and how I think it's the most Everton had outran any opponents um, by in a game that season. It's just that, that's, I'm sorry, but that's shameful. Like that's one of them things that they should genuinely be ashamed of that. It shouldn't take. That's like needing your mum and dad to tell you to come in and clean your room, pick your underpants up off the floor, like do all that stuff. And granted, like granted, I still probably don't do that stuff often enough, but you know. Um, but 
it gets to a point in your life where you need to have respect in yourself. You need to have respect in your own abilities and not need to kick up the arse every other week. And you can't use the away fans as an excuse. I, but it feels like such a double-edged sword because they've been forced to not have away fans as an excuse for not performing away from home now. And we've seen the results of that. But at home, they've just phoned it in and gone, actually, no, there's there's no one here to tell me I'm not tracking back. There's no one here to moan at me when I'm not actually looking where I'm passing the ball. There's no one here to tell me when I'm going missing. And guess what? They've all gone missing. It's it's For me, it's just such an annoying thing because if they put in a modicum of effort in two of those games against relegated sides, Everton have European football this summer and we're all going to go and have a load of fun next year. It's just... That's the, that's the annoying thing is at this point that's kind of all I care about now. It's not really about them qualifying for the Champions League or what winning leagues or whatever. I just want to go and have fun again. I want to be able to go to some moody European place with a train around the side of the tracks and like on the edge of the stadium and have a mad time in Eastern Europe. But no, because they couldn't be bothered matching the work rate of David McGoldrick, then they're not going to get there. It's just for me, that's, that's going to be the overriding feeling for this season is one of the, the, those players should be embarrassed because as you say you look at where they were Boxing Day and granted there was a, there was a mini slide before Boxing Day and maybe that was a bit of a um, a bit of a mirage the fact they were second but still you were second fellas like you were so yeah for me it should be one of embarrassment for them I hope it is I'm not sure it is but it really should be maybe to this point we should say why went the likes of Adam um, and his colleagues at the Echo, Paddy, Greg, screaming that they were shit in the stadium. Could, <laughs> could, could the Giannos have done more to help us? That, that's, that's what it, I want to know. Um, I, want, I want Paddy Boylan stood in the Gladys on his own, screaming at Pickford next time he makes a mistake. There you yeah. go, sorted. Uh, Tom Davis has gone off scot-free all season. That lad needs some grief. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but in all seriousness, Adam, what, what, what would you put it down to? You made that slide from second to 10th. Are you agreement with Mike? It's the... It's the same cast of players, ultimately. Yeah, I, I probably would. And I think, to, to be honest, it's hard, it's hard to put your finger on, isn't it? And I think if anybody could have put their finger on it, Carlo Ancelotti probably would have stopped it from happening a couple of months ago. Fact is that it, it was just so, it was just so strange. You know, we talk about these, the, these games behind closed doors at Goodison Park. Yeah, we've lost the home advantage, but we weren't at a disadvantage. You know, it's not as if there were three thousand away fans still in there. You know, it was, <laughs> yeah. it was it was at that point a level playing field. It shouldn't have been detrimental to us to be playing inside our own stadium, but it was for some for some strange reason. It, it had become massively detrimental to us, and I think you know. So I saw a discussion on a social media a couple of days ago, and you know, there was there were some people saying uh, we're, with the uh, with the ability of the Everton squad, you know, tenth was you know reasonable, and you know with the with the stats that we were putting in in terms of like expected goals and blah, blah, blah. You know, we've probably finished about where we should have done in the league. And I can get that, you know, I I think probably when you look at the quality of the squads, yeah, we might have the 10th best best squad in the league. But I don't, I think, I think that skirts around the issue. I think the issue is the the fact that, you know, we were in second on Boxing Day. You know, we were, I think, 12 games before the end of the season, we were in fifth. And out of those like last 12 games, I think we maybe won three of them, something like that. Which is that? That's just that's pathetic for a team that for a team that have got themselves into that position. You know, the squad was good enough to get themselves into that position, and all as Mike says, all it needed was for them to you know put in a bit of effort against you know Sheffield United at home or even Aston Villa at home. You know, Aston Villa away, 
You know, there's there's so many missed opportunities that you can pinpoint throughout the season. It's not just those, not just those home games like that Villa away one. I think is a massive missed opportunity. The fact that we that, that we played in such a defensive manner in that game, I I think is just appalling. Really, we could have we really could have gone at them a little bit better. Uh, same could be said against Sheffield United. We were just dreadful against Fulham, dreadful against Newcastle, pretty bad against Burnley. Uh, it was just it's just game after game after game, and I think. Nice, completely right. You know, these players should be embarrassed by those figures that you see after the Wolves game that it took, you know, six and a half thousand fans being back in Goodison for them to realise that they needed to put in a little bit of effort. Because let's be honest, we didn't exactly outplay Wolves by by any stretch of the imagination. It was the fact that we outworked them, essentially, that we won that game. So why couldn't they have done that against, you know, the likes of Sheffield United, already relegated yeah. Sheffield United? You know, all it would have taken was another... Well, Tottenham had the best goal difference than us, so let's say another four points. Another four points would have got us European football. And you know, you, you look at how bad we were in those final twelve games of the season in particular, and it's just like really, how could you have got yourselves into that good a position and still bottled it? Essentially they, they completely bottled the situation that we they were in. And I think that does fall down to the players and it's not it's not down to their quality at that point because you know, they, they had the quality to go and beat Spurs on the opening day. They beat Liverpool with a, you know, pretty solid battle and performance. You know, beat Chelsea at home, beat, did the double over Arsenal, beat Spurs in the cup as well at home. You know, they, they had that quality in them. They, we, we, can, we could have gone and done it, but it was as if they chose not to. They, they picked and chose what games they were going to turn up and apply a little bit of effort for, which I think is just... That's the most shocking thing that we're going to look back on for this season, and that's why this season is always going to be considered just such a such a missed opportunity. You know, after we after we didn't finish seventh, I don't think it particularly mattered whether we finished eighth, ninth, or tenth. You know, by the by, like it, it does look a bit worse that we finished tenth, but you know, it's just the fact that they've missed out on in on European football. You know, from as you say, from the position that they were in on Boxing Day, from the position that they were in, you know, as as close as twelve games ago. You know, we we could have had Champions League football like twelve games ago. We, that's what that's what we were thinking about. We were thinking put a bit of a run together and maybe the Champions yeah. League's on, and it's, it's just completely went the other way. And I think, you know, the I think a lot of players in this squad do need to be having a long hard look at themselves over this summer because it 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 is just <laughs> pathetic the way the, the way that they played in some of those games. We say it every year. Yeah, say it every year. Yeah. You need to have a long, hard look at yourself. You need to do it. No, you just need to leave. It, it, I'm sorry. You need to leave now. And it's got to that frustrating point where I'm saying that, and I know that no one will take them. In the back of my head, I know. I know Giffy Sigurdsson will still be here next year. I know Alex Wobie will still be here next year. There are players in that squad who, through lack of lack of effort or lack of ability or both, should not be anywhere near the squad. And they will be because there are no takers for the ridiculous wages that they're on. Plus is English football, plus is Everton. And again, we're in the same position every single year where it's the biggest summer we'll ever have. And I'm sure next year will be the same, <laughs> and the year after that will be the same, and the year after that will be the same. Because it's what we say every year. Yeah. Like, hard long look at yourself, biggest summer ever, go and spend 100 million. And it, it comes down to attitude at the end of the day. It's the one thing that we sort of skim past constantly. And I just hope that fans are back next year because that needs putting right because it's been allowed to fester this year. With no one there, we saw it. It's been allowed to fester and just rot. And 
if you look at the way that they have just utterly phoned it in for the last, what, 15 games of the season or whatever it was, yeah, 10th's about right. If you turn it off for 15 games with a 38 game season, you're not going to qualify for Europe. <laughs> yeah. It's not going to happen. You don't deserve to. The fact that you've got a team like Leeds, who are cohesive, run a ridiculous amount, try their absolute bits off every single week, finishing above you. Yeah, sounds about right to me. I'm, they, they should do, because on the grand scheme of things, they probably end it. And yeah. that's, that's another year where a promoted team has finished above. That's three seasons on the run now where a promoted team has finished above Everton, mostly based on effort. Is that Wolves, Sheffield United, and obviously Leeds this year? Well, yeah, yeah I, think, I think Leeds are a great case point because I think while I agree with both, it's about the effort and how that's needed to get over the line in, in those home games. I think it's, it's not just that for me. And I know the manager and, and you know Jordan Pickford, recent, this is the most recent one, to use the word attitude. Um, but I feel like you need a strategy as well. And I feel like, you, you know, you mentioned there, Adam, even when Everton did try against Wolves, that game, you know, Everton probably deserved to win it in the end, but it could have easily gone gone either way with the way in which they were, you know, in control of the game in the first half. And I sort of look at a lot of those home matches this season and feel like, would, would a bit of effort have been enough for us to, to get points in all of those games? And I'm, and I'm not really sure because it sort of feels like in the game against Burnley, we got out, you know, they hit the, the woodwork twice, didn't they? Um you know, Newcastle at the post twice against us, Fulham, Boston's from start to finish, you know, Aston Villa could have scored five in the first half of that game as well. And and while obviously putting effort in will, you know, level the playing field a little bit in that sense, it feels as though you need, you know, a bit more of a strategy, a bit more of a plan, you know, of how to play against these teams and how to be aggressive. And I sort of don't feel as though we've got that either. So it's, it, that's why I think Leeds are a really pertinent example because they've got the effort obviously in spades, but, you know exactly how they're going to play as well. They're going to move the ball quickly. They're going to take risks, going to defend high. We don't really seem to quite know how to fumble our way through these games against lesser sides. But, um, but we added away from home, though, didn't we? I think yeah, that's, the, that, that, yeah, that's the key thing. Like, we, we did have this, this sort of you know defensive system away from home, and you know, I think you know, bundle on our way through a lot of those games. You know, the Sheffield United game, don't think we particularly played all that well, but we got a one nil win. Uh, West Brom, don't think particularly played that well, got a win. Leeds, again, don't think we played particularly well and got a win. Uh, West Ham, <laughs> again, don't think we played all that well, especially going forward. Uh, but we, we came away from that with a 1-0 win. All of those sides beat us at home. Which is, I, th- I think that's, that, that's, the, that's, that's the frustrating thing, isn't it? Because we had, we, had, we, we, we had the tools to beat them away from home. What was it, what was it about Goodison? You know, I think I think in all of those games, the the thing that I can point to most is that they they actually they actually cared a bit more and they did put in that effort. They were trying to just be, they were just trying to affect the game a lot a lot more. You know, further up the pitch. Whereas you know, whenever we were playing at Goodson, it was just so passive, so slow. For for the only reason of I think that they thought they they needed to dominate possession when they were at home for for some reason. I, I don't know why. When fans weren't there, we were just setting up to play like the away team, because you know it was gonna it was gonna say otherwise at that point if we were having twenty percent possession but still getting wins over the likes of Leeds and West Ham at home, then I don't think anybody would be that asked to be honest. But you know they just they just didn't do that. But away from home, they found they found a way to do it, which I think is probably the the thing that sits worst with me at this point. 
I think that Matt's got a really good point there that while the effort's a massive thing and we've done that to death now, I think that those home games, you look and you say, well, it's effort merged with why have they been so passive? Was the lack of an attacking plan? It's the lack of a cohesive attacking plan. I didn't see that from probably about what, the sixth, seventh game of the season onwards. Didn't really see much of that at all, which was so strange when at the beginning of the season. Fulham away, see... Fulham away in the first half for the last time. Yeah. yeah. You know, watched us a fourth, they're playing good attack and fourth a year. Yeah. And it seems so strange because at the beginning of the season, I hadn't seen anything like that in a long time at Everton. It was fluid. It, you could actually see an Everton goal happening. It was really, really strong attack and play. And suddenly that just disappeared. And granted, it's incredibly easy to then say, well, yeah, I didn't get our first 11 on the pitch um, very often at all. I don't think many teams in this league have had the first 11 on the pitch very often this season because that's been the nature of the football calendar. The, the, this is why there is no one at the club at the moment who is free from criticism. And yeah, criticising the manager doesn't mean you want rid of him. It just means that he's got to show something different next year. Has to come back next summer, and there has to be a cohesive attack and plan. He said as much in the recent interview, didn't he? It was like, well, yeah, this year we didn't really have the players to fall back on in that attacking moment, so we focus more defensively. That's got to change. If you want to beat those teams at home, then you've got to be more attack minded. You've got to have the players to do those sorts of things. And don't think that after another season of hopefully more good recruitment. Again, that old question mark will come over Marcel Brands and it's something he's really got to see. This is, again, the most important summer ever. Don't forget it. Um, <laughs> he's got to really come through with that. But if he does, then there can't be any excuses. There can't You can't fall back on the line of, I'm sorry, I don't really have the players to do this because it, it will only wash for so long. There needs to be much more of a cohesive attacking plan from the start of next season. Otherwise, Everton are going to find themselves probably straddling the line between 12th and 9th again. Do you know we say the most important summer ever at the yeah. start of every summer? Looking back, what was the most important summer ever that we've had in the Premier League era, would you say? Well, I've just told you, it gets more important every year. It's tomorrow. It starts, <laughs> starts tomorrow. It's the, yeah. it is, Mike's saying it is actually this one now. <laughs> but, it, but it always is. It always is. No, no matter what, what happens, it always will be the next one. Like you could, you could be Leicester City on the cusp. You've won your FA Cup and you're qualifying for the Champions League and you just missed it out. So next year is really important because you don't want to miss the boat. You've got to go have the squad for Europe. It's the most important summer ever. Just as it was the most important summer ever, just after they missed being relegated before they won the title so it's, just, it's every summer is the most important summer ever because it always will be because football is cyclical changes every single year and you always have the opportunity to change it and for once it's time for Everton to actually change it I think the most important summer was after, <laughs> was after Moyes left okay okay why because he'd been at the club for 11 years was it at that, that point 12 years yeah. at that point yeah but we finished fifth the season after exactly because we got it right Oh, okay. Intriguing. Depends, it depends whether you're thinking like important in terms of things going badly or things My going well. My point's just gone straight over your head, aren't it? <laughs> yeah. I think, we've, I think you've looked at it in a completely different way to how I've asked the question. I, I agree. Adam, do you want to <laughs> offer a completely I, I different opinion as well? I don't, well? don't want to wade into this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting in the middle of this. Uh. All right, fair enough. Uh, I'm sure people understand what both of us meant, but we'll leave it there.
uh, lads, it's been a pleasure. Uh, Mike, what are you doing this weekend with no Everton? Um, do you know what? If it's sunny, I'm going to go for a big, long walk along the prom. I think that's what I'll do. Ah, I'll have well, a nice time. Might get a drink nice. at the end of it. Might not. I don't know. I still feel a bit fragile. Uh, Mike's hungover today, everybody. Yeah. Uh, Adam, what about you, mate? Well, for the first time since I became a journalist, I've actually got a bank holiday off. Ah, wow. Amazing. So for a four-day weekend, cousins are coming down from Scotland. So I'm going to be spending the whole weekend on the booze. And it's going uh, to be Amazing. Uh, and finally, who's going to win the Champions League final? Chelsea. Chelsea. Ooh, interesting. Interesting. Uh, I reckon City are going to win, but... Yeah, uh, it'll be the most important summer for them. Whatever happens, like. <laughs> I reckon it's going to be a terrible game. This might yeah. be oh prediction. God, yeah. Yeah. It's going to be really tight and horrible. But uh, yeah, uh, most important summer ever. Uh, next week is the most important Blue Room podcast ever. Uh, <laughs> so we'll see if we can get on that for, for that big podcast. Uh, but yeah, cheers to Mike. Cheers to Adam. That's been your weekly show. Have you shopped for groceries this week? Bought gas? Literally everything costs more. But there is one way to protect your budget and stay ahead of surprise bills. American Home Shield. They help pay when covered parts of home systems and appliances like your fridge, AC, and water heater break down. With three coverage options and easy monthly payments, there's a plan and price that's right for you. Right now, save $50 when you join American Home Shield. Visit ahs.com music or tap the banner to learn more. Service fees, limitations, and exclusions apply. See plan for details. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.